Yes, sir, and welcome. Welcome, welcome to episode 32, episode Magic Johnson, episode 32 of the Good Look Podcast. Of course, it's a Laker, right? I am your host, Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney, here to give you another episode. First, before we get started, please like, rate, share, and subscribe to the pod, the Good Look Podcast, all, all, all words obviously put together. There's another podcast that's a name really close, but mine is just The Good Look Podcast. Um, all the DSPs, Spotify, Apple. Uh, make sure you write, like, rate, sub- share, subscribe. Um, share on your socials, Twitter and Instagram, at L Pinkney, L-P-I-N-K-N-E-E. Go ahead and get this thing moving along. Get it spread around a little bit more. Appreciate you guys again for listening. I'm going to go ahead and get into some of the news and notes, then get into the nitty-gritty of what's been going on in terms of the NBA season coming to an end finally after 360 days the longest nba season in history has finally come to an end let me go ahead and get into the news and notes here so nba has allowed in-person meetings with draft prospects starting october 16th so in a couple days here um that's big it's big to be able to do that the nfl draft in red um in contrast had to do um video meetings pretty much and and saw guys work out through through video packages that were sent in so this is definitely a big step it really helps in terms of checking out the draft prospects looking at them up close seeing what they can do and what they can't do november or november 15 is still the draft date we don't know if that'll hold just because of what's going on with the season in terms of when it's going to start nobody knows when it's really going to restart again um, dates have been saying it's around rumored dates. Martin Luther King Day in January, late January, February. Some people even say as late as March. But March really isn't that late, is it? And then they want to try to get... They're trying to probably delay it as much as they can to try to get fans in the stands as, as many as they can as possible. Um, and they're trying to t- just try to delay it as much as they can. But they still want to have 82 games, which doesn't make sense. So I... In my opinion, I think they're going to start it in February or March, make it a 60-game season, and then try to get into the playoffs again because they don't want to have the playoffs or they don't want to rearrange their entire NBA calendar. They want it to go back to the way it was where training camps are starting in August and September and and then October is when the season starts. So they want to get back to that. So in order to do that, they got to shorten down this next season again cut down the playoffs, hopefully try to be done in July, um, and then go for there and see what happens. So that's what I expect. Um, we can pretty much go from there. LaMelo Ball, um, he ends up signing with the with Puma in terms of a sneaker deal. Now, Puma's, this has pretty much been their strategy as a, a company trying to get back into the basketball game again. They've been signing a lot of the young guys to really high-level contracts Nike is pretty much offering baseline deals, so is Adidas. Um, but Puma, in order to try to make a name for themselves, is uh, it's throwing a little extra cash at these people. So people like DeAndre Ayton um, and, and Michael Porter Jr., those are guys who are on the Puma roster. Um, they're throwing money at these people. And then they even gotten people like Marcus Cousins. Um, so they're throwing money at a lot of these guys to try to go ahead and get their names out there. Puma shoes look all right. They're mad light um, in terms of comfort. I would wear them around in terms of hooping in them. They're, I the upper is really loose. So, if you're a person who's cool with that, then that's fine. But 
I don't know if I could play in him. I probably would need ankle braces if I was going to play in him. But Lamella signing with him is great. He's potential. He's rumored to be a top three pick. Minnesota has been rumored to want to trade out of that spot. Um, there's been all kinds of rumors, but this is what's expected because Minnesota's in the top spot. They want to create a lot of noise before the draft starts just to create intrigue and try to get a lot of other teams interested because the top pick can be valuable to someone who wants it. If you really believe that Lamelo is a game-changing point guard for your squad and you think you have the assets to do it, it's not a bad idea to try to trade up for him. So we'll see how it goes. Golden State's number two after that. Um, I believe that they're going to go after James Wiseman. I think that's what they should do. Or trade the pick. Three is Charlotte. Charlotte can go in literally any direction they want. So um, we'll see how that goes. But congrats, congrats to LaMelo for signing a new deal. And um, once you when the draft's going to happen, you guys are going to see more guys are going to be signing. And then you're going to see a lot of guys signing to Puma for the reasons I just outlined before. Isaiah Thomas says that Michael Jordan, or excuse me, is not Michael Jordan is not the GOAT that LeBron James is, and this was before LeBron won his fourth title. Um, you take this with a grain of salt because Isaiah doesn't like Michael Jordan, no matter what he says. Um, this has happened with some people in the past, people who are from Michael's era, saying... That LeBron's the greatest, like Scottie Pippen said it, even his teammate, but then Scottie really walked that back. Stupid. But um, Isaiah Thomas is is coming from not just an analytical perspective, not just a guy who played the game, but he's coming from a place of where it's 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 a little personal, and it's understandable. So that's why you take his opinion with a grain of salt, and we keep it pushing. Kevin Durant says Brooklyn is his last stop, even though he has not played one game in Brooklyn. Um, it makes sense. It'd be a nice place for him to end his career in New York. He already has a lot of his stuff in New York, so that's cool. He hasn't played a game, but he's... I have... So a lot of people who have some reservations about him, I, I have zero. I think Kevin Durant is going to be just fine. I think he's going to come back go hard and be just as good if not as good as he was before um he's seven foot with a handle can shoot even if he can't really put the ball on the deck or do everything the same way he's still gonna be able to shoot man and being a seven footer and be able to shoot he can bide his time and work his way back that way and then have the other parts of his game start to piece together and get back and then people try to this this injury is rare you know it's rare in terms of it happening, but we've seen it. And when we see it, all of us cringe. We all, because it's the most random injury and it's one of the worst. It's one of the hardest things to recover from. So people having reservations, I get it. But I've seen the videos, the workout videos he's had. There is evidence of people coming back from it. Now, a lot of other, there's some people whose it's been debilitating for we're talking about Isaiah Thomas in like 91 he retired because he didn't want to rehab anymore and it was hard to come back from that injury um Elton Brand later in his career it sapped him of a lot of his athleticism so there there are examples but there are examples like Rudy Gay who's still a serviceable player um DeMarcus Cousins people forget like when he came back and he started to round into form with Golden State after he got 10 15 20 games under his belt he was looking good, and then he just popped his quad. So a completely different injury um, messed up his return, but he was looking fine. Um, and when he came back again in the NBA Finals, he was obviously not himself um, because he was dealing with that and trying to come and 
and trying to come back from the quad. But he showed the flashes, and you sh- he showed that he would be able to, to, to do what he used to do, um, given some extra time and some more health. So I think Kevin Durant's along the same lines as someone like Dominique Wilkins, who tore his Achilles in his 30s as well, came back, still averaged like 26 a game for the Clippers. So I think that's exactly what KD's going to do. He's going to be able to lean on Kyrie early in the season just to get his feet wet. And then when he feels like he can go ahead and go full throttle again, he'll go ahead and push himself and and do that. And it's going to make the Nets a a great team. There's people who are going to be critical of the Nets. There's people who have questions about the Nets. I have zero questions about the Nets. I think they're going to be the best team in the East next year. Um, Spoiler alert for my picks next season. I think they're the best team in the East next year. Um, Even with Milwaukee, even with Miami, even with, with Boston. I think they're just going to be, it's kind of a Laker thing. You know, Anthony Davis and LeBron on the same team. It's just okay. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, that's just a lot to deal with. And they have a good, they have good ancillary pieces and they can make some moves. So um, Brooklyn's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, it's, not, it's not a guarantee. I don't think they might, I don't even think they'll have the best record in the East, but I think they're going to be the best team. And if we get Brooklyn versus LA next year, oh my goodness. You want to talk about storylines? You want to talk about drama? Kyrie getting back to the finals going against LeBron. KD getting back to the finals going against LeBron. We need it. The NBA world needs it. The only other acceptable one is if the Nuggets make the finals. (laughs) Just me being a homer. But yeah, man. Shout out to KD saying that this is going to be his last spot for tying everything all back together, right? After going on that tangent. Um, It makes sense. Happy for him. Some head coaching news. Um, it looks like the Rockets are starting to dwindle things down. They've interviewed Ty Lue and Jeff Van Gundy, who's been in head coaching rumors forever since he's been in the booth. Um, Ty Lue looks to be in the lead, but there are other reports that say Van Gundy's in the lead. Who knows, man? Um, Sam Cassell has been interviewed by the Clippers as well. Um, Rockets have poked their head around, but they haven't interviewed him yet. But let's start with the first two. Ty Lue, champion, 2016 Really good, uh, really good motivator. Um, a guy who can speak to players and relate. In terms of a coach, I don't know how great he is. I don't think anyone really knows how great he is because his only job is coaching LeBron, and then he only got to coach nine games with Cleveland before they fired him. So that was stupid. Um, so I think the jury's still out on him. Sam or Jeff Van Gundy led the '99 Knicks to the finals. Was a very solid defensive coach back in the two th- or nineties uh, and early two thousands with Houston. Um, so if he goes back to Houston, that'd be kind of cool. He's there, obviously um, coaching T Mac and Yao. So if he goes back, that'd be pretty interesting. I don't know how much of a difference that would make in terms of having to train uh, coach James Harden. We're in a completely different era. A lot of things have changed. He did coach uh, Team USA basketball this year. I think he's preparing himself to go back because there was no news of him doing any of that. But because he trained in the summer last last year, and um, looks like he's getting his feet wet again. And it's the same thing with Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson was great on TV. Went to coach the Warriors, came back. ESPN took him back easy. If this doesn't work out for Jeff Van Gundy, he can just go back to TV and everything will be fine. So he's got plenty of options and he's in a great position. I think the Rockets hire him. I think the Rockets hire him. I think the Clippers are going to get Ty Lue. 
and then the dominoes are going to fall where they may. Sam Cassell, make that note, he did interview with the uh, Clippers. I think a good spot for him would be Oklahoma City. We don't know what they're going to be doing in terms of if they're going to run it back or if they're going to try to um, rebuild with all those picks that they have. I think it would be a good spot for him to get acclimated into the head coaching position and, and start his career on a good note. So Sam Cassell should probably go there. Stan Van Gundy, the brother, is getting interviewed by the Pelicans. So Stan Van Gundy might get back in the game too. Um, he was very entertaining in terms of being a color guy on TV this year. Excuse me. So Stan Van Gundy interviewing for the New Orleans job. It's going to be exciting. That is an exciting job to have. If I was him, I would take it, no questions asked. So coaching carousel is in full effect. Um, these things usually, once the smoke starts to starts to pop up, um, things start happening quick. So we'll get some news on these uh, jobs pretty soon. Some player movement possibly. The Knicks, of course they are, may trade for Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul. Now both of them are making 40-plus million dollars. One is three or four years younger than the other. Um, I don't think neither would get you closer to winning, but they would make you a little more entertaining. Russell Westbrook more than Chris. But I, it's a Knicks thing, man. It's it's a Knicks thing to think that they would get a high-priced point guard when the rest of their team just isn't up to par and they want to do something to try to get some attention instead of just building and building and building until the right moment happens. So typical Knicks, whatever. The, if they trade for one of them, it's going to be bad. If they don't, they'll be bad still. It's it's not really going to matter. And finals hero, Rajon Rondo. He's going to decline his player option. He was only making $2 million, coming off an incredible playoff season. He is definitely going to get a lot more money than that, so him declining his option made a lot of sense. I don't know if he goes back to the Lakers. He's got two chips. Rondo's enigmatic, and he's pretty tough to deal with, but he's smart as hell as a basketball player. He can help a team for sure from the point guard position. He's improved his shooting. I don't know why. He's a guy who really benefited from the way people have guarded him his entire career. Did people not notice like when he was open, he was making shots, and people still were playing seven feet off him? I get you want to do that still. You want to entice the shot, but at least contest. Guys were just playing eight feet off and then just letting him shoot, and he was making 42 or 40% of his threes. It was stupid. So shout out to Rondo for taking advantage of his opportunity. He's going to get paid. Probably not like crazy paid. A contract between 7 and $10 million sounds about right. All right, y'all, the NBA Finals ended. Last time I talked about it, it was 2-1 Lakers, and then it went 3-1 Lakers, and then we had Game 5. Everyone thought it was over. Black Mama jerseys, this is it. And then Jimmy Butler comes away with one of the most incredible performances in NBA Finals history, forty point or 35 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists. Jimmy Butler was absolutely incredible. LeBron was amazing. Made six and nine threes. Had 40 points, 13 rebounds, and seven assists. Still wasn't enough. Um, this game, people were killing Danny Green for not making a wide open jumper. Yes, he probably should have made that shot. And people were criticizing LeBron for not taking the shot. Um, not taking the shot when he was one on one. Not taking the shot when he drove into three and kicked it to get Danny Green when it was open. But that's what LeBron does. I said it before the play even happened. I'm like, okay, they're going to get the ball to LeBron. He's going to make the right play. Someone's going to be open. 
It's the same argument people would have in terms of what LeBron did in 2018, game one. LeBron, that was the best game I have ever seen LeBron play when he had 51, 8, and 8. And I was actually there. Shout out to that. He was absolutely amazing. He was making every shot. He looked unstoppable. And in that last possession, the one where he passes it to George Hill and he gets uh, fouled on a cut by Klay Thompson, he had Steph Curry garden. No double team. Just had Steph Curry garden. And in that situation, you would think, all right, I got Steph on me. I've been as locked in from the perimeter as I've ever been in my career. I should probably take this shot. And in that situation, even though I hate the people who always go back and say, oh, Jordan would have took it, Kobe would have took it, whatever. In that situation, that's the one criticism I would actually agree with. I think LeBron was just in such a locked-in mode. He should have took that shot on Steph instead of trying to get the uh, foul on George Hill. But in essence, it's the right basketball play, quote-unquote, and it's what LeBron always does. In that game, you could argue LeBron should have done the same thing. He was feeling it, 6 of 9 from 3. When LeBron is feeling it from the three-point line, there's nothing you could really do. And while I think he made the correct play, I think everyone who reasonably watches basketball says he made the right play. I kind of wish he would have like tried to maybe get to his spot offensively and just take the shot. Just because he was in such a groove with his jumper, and that doesn't happen every game. So I, I kind of wish he did take the shot. But I also am not going to criticize him for drawing three people and getting Danny Green a wide-open shot. You know why? Because all of your criticism is result-based. That's it. You guys see missed shot, you guys say bad play. If LeBron did that, or if, if LeBron makes the same play and Danny Green makes the shot, no one says anything. It's a John Paxson, Steve Kerr moment. That's what you guys say. And LeBron's 40-13-7 looks incredible in a closeout. So your results-based criticism is stupid. Get out of my face with that. And plus, there are so many possessions before that, man, that changed this game. Don't just fall in love with the one possession. And if you're going to be mad at anyone, be mad at Markeith Morris's dumbass for just throwing the ball out of bounds in that situation. When he had a couple of teammates who were open, he just kind of lost his head at that moment. Um, let me pull it back a little bit. Because you're in that situation, it's eight seconds, six seconds left. Things are moving fast, it's hard to just try to react and, and make the sane play. Um, he saw AD open, he thought he could get it to him on a lob. AD ends up cutting back up, tries to get a foul, but there was no foul. And it was a really bad turnover at a really bad time. And it cost them the gentleman's sweep. Which is great, because I went on Twitter and acted a fool, because I loved everything that happened after that. I knew the Lakers were going to win this series. I picked them to win it in six. Hey, there you go. But it was nice to see... It's just nice to see Laker fans just be humbled just for a little. Just a little bit, because we know your team is great, man. But it's nice to know that if an NBA player like shows some type of emotion against y'all... It's, it's not automatic that the team loses in five. Somebody sneers, somebody dances, somebody yells something. Oh, it's Lakers in five. Oh, it's Lakers in five. That type of stuff is annoying. I know it's not something that the players really pay attention to that much, probably. But as a fan, it's a little annoying to see that stuff. So, um, like, we know you're great. And for you to feel s certain slights as a Lakers fan is doesn't make sense. 
Some of them do, and I will give you credit when it's due. But certain times it's not. And when guys do something and they feel good, and all of a sudden, oh, it's Lakers in five. It's like, no, nah, just shut up. Jimmy Butler shut all that noise down with the 35, 12, and 11. 47 minutes played, absolutely exhausted. That dude did everything. And I have a question. It's like, has anyone changed their perception more from an NBA Finals performance than, than Jimmy Butler? It's it's a short list, and I won't really go back and try to compare. I'll just say what Jimmy has done. He's probably vaulted himself to like 9 or 10. He's, he's anywhere between 8 and 13 now. Like people who said that he was better than Paul George, it's it's a wrap. I was saying that, and it's not close now. It's funny how that, that little period of time changes things, but we have this body of work showing that Jimmy Butler shows up in big moments and Paul George doesn't. I want Jimmy Butler. So, man, Jimmy Butler was absolutely incredible throughout the entire series. He pushed it to six, which is something that once Drogix and, and Bam went out, people thought it was over, over. Um, but he was able to muster up the strength uh, to get his team over to a game six. And if they found a way to full, pull something out in that one, man, that would have been an epic game seven. But shout out to Jimmy Butler for being absolutely outstanding, for looking to learn in the Lakers dead in the eye and saying, I don't give a F, I'm going at y'all. And it's it's very respected. That's why he's one of the dogs in this league. That's why he's a top ten player in this league. I'm going to make my list and see where I'm going to put him. But for sure, I think I think he's top 10 now, man, just based off what we see in the playoffs and over the course of time. So shout out to Jimmy Butler, man. Real one for sure. Real one. And then game six happened. And we knew it was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to be like that, that blowout where they was up like 30 at multiple points in the game. Not even going to talk about the final score because it don't matter. Lakers win in six. LeBron James, fourth NBA championship, the first player in NBA history to have three titles and three finals MVPs with three different franchises. That is an incredible accomplishment. Shout out to LeBron. I will talk about LeBron's accomplishments a little bit later in the pod, but let's just go ahead and hit the Lakers as a whole. 17th title in franchise history, tying the Boston Celtics. For most titles in NBA history. Now, it's funny because both Laker and Celtic fans have something to crap on in terms of these titles. The Lakers, 17 titles. 12 of those titles have come in Los Angeles. Five of them are in Minneapolis. Lakers fans count the Minneapolis ones, but they haven't retired George Mikan's number. That's a big deal. If you don't recognize George Mikan, who's one of the best players of all time, in terms of his era, if he played now, it's a wrap. But in terms of who he was playing at the time in the 50s, pre-shot clock, um, a little post-shot clock, like that's he's one of the best of all time. But the Lakers haven't retired his number, which makes no sense. So if you're not going to count him, how are you going to count the titles? So that's one thing. But you could also argue with the Celtics, hey, you guys got all your titles when there was only eight teams in the league and barely anyone was there. And all the good players were pretty much on the Celtics. Like, it wasn't all, but a good majority. They had a lot of Hall of Famers on that team. So, um, you can make the argument either way as a Laker and Celtics fan. It's funny. I'm not going to make it because I don't really care. Um, But it's funny to see it from both sides that you can see both angles of that argument. 
people have both both ways to to go at each other, which is kind of funny. Anthony Davis, he gets his first title. Now, I said last week I'm still keeping him outside the top five. Even if he won the title, um, I still might get crap for it. I'm going to go ahead and, and check out my top ten again and see how I'm going to rework it. Um, and I'll give that to you all down the line. But I'm going to go ahead and just say AD was absolutely incredible this entire postseason. Had moments where he disappeared, and, and which is why I still put him in that sixth spot before before everything. But defensively, absolute monster. I did not understand why Miami constantly ran pick and roll at Anthony Davis. Are you stupid? Why are you running pick and roll at him? Maybe maybe the best defender in the league. He can guard the pick and roll and the man at the exact same time. And if you don't have a guy who can stretch the floor, you're done. You can't throw the pocket pass. You can't throw the wraparound pass. You can't throw the bounce pass. The drop-off. It's all gone if you run pick and rolls at him. Run more guard to guard. Do something else. Don't run pick and rolls at Anthony Davis. You're just asking to lose. And when Miami was trying to get back in the game, they kept doing it. It kept messing them up. And they lost. Not just lost. Big time loss. So... Shout out to AD for being incredible for most of the postseason, for showing off his defensive prowess and showing why this Lakers team was going to win because they had two of the best players in the league on the exact same team. Rajon Rondo gets his second title. Only player in NBA history to have a title with the Celtics and the Lakers. Very interesting nugget there. Dwight Howard, as annoying as he is, he gets his first NBA title. Shout out to Dwight Howard. Um, JaVale McGee, his third title. So he got two with the Dubs, takes a year off, and gets one with the Lakers. Shout out JaVale, former Nugget. Um, Danny Green, third title, back-to-back. Back. The only back-to-back back champion in the league this year. Um, everyone else on the team is a first-time champion. So shout out to the Los Angeles Lakers as a whole. Um, they had question marks for sure during the season. And a lot of people doubted them. A lot of people doubted them with such fervor that as a Lakers fan I would actually be mad at for and of course you know Lakers fans are going to keep the receipts there was some criticism out there that were just dumb I think the people who were smart about it knew it was either Lakers or Clippers but a lot of people were picking the Clippers I'd say nationally it's probably like a 70-30 thing and the man who's been to the finals 10 of the last 11 years the fact that they kept picking against him for this this Clippers team that seemed more complete, that seemed better all around. Couldn't even get past my nuggets. So, <laughs> shout out to this Lakers team all around, man. Just a, a, I think their ancillary paces get taken for granted. They're not that good, but they worked well for what the Lakers needed. Because they had LeBron and AD to do all the heavy lifting. Dwight was incredible in in the second round against Jokic. I don't understand why Jokic just didn't go at him. But he helped. He played really good defense on him uh, in spurts. JaVale McGee did I, but pretty much was irrelevant in the postseason. Playoff Rondo coming back was absolutely crucial for the Lakers. KCP stepping up for them. Alex Caruso is just a smart basketball player. That dude knows where to go, where to be. He's got a little bit of athleticism, and he's 6'5", so he's a solid all-around role player, a really good guy you'd want on your team. And 
just contributions from everywhere. The Lakers were able to get contributions from a lot of different spots, not just their 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 big two, but their third guy was essentially a combination of whoever would play well, and they had that pretty much every game. They only lost four times the postseason, so um, or five times, excuse me. They only lost five times, so it shows how good they they really were in terms of how they played the rest of the field. It's too bad the Clippers couldn't make it. Too bad they couldn't get that matchup. Um, people can say that the Clippers would have been a better matchup. Maybe would have even beaten them, but you got to get to the dance first before you hit the woulda, shoulda, coulda. So, shout out to the Lakers, man! Incredible season, incredible title. Um, they did it for Kobe, man. And, and and what a whirlwind year it has been. Losing Kobe Bryant will will never just will never make sense, no matter what. If you watch highlights, you'll see all those things and just remember that day, and, and it'll never sit well. Um, so for the Lakers to come back and get a championship in this season, with everything that's happened, that is absolutely outstanding. Shout out, LA. Overall takeaways from the bubble. Claps up. Claps up for the bubble and the NBA. Zero positive tests for the entire bubble season over three months and 182 days man outstanding or excuse me it's not 182 days excuse me but over three months of having these guys be in that bubble and have to do the same things over and over again and having to deal with trying to keep each other safe and all that type of stuff that was an incredible feat by the uh by the league, shout out to Adam Silver for always just being a great visionary, the best commissioner in sports, hands down. He's been absolutely outstanding. Shout out to the Lakers, or I keep saying the Lakers. I got Lakers on the mind from the title. But um, shout out to the league, all the officials, and all the people who don't get a lot of shine, the cooks, the chefs, the trainers, the grounds people, all those people who took time out of their own lives to try to make this as, as safe and good as possible. Shout out to them for real. Um, we saw some incredible basketball the entire time. Yes, there were some moments that defy logic. Um, but there was good with the bad. You know, it was tough not having crowds and you don't get the energy from that. But dead silence, I mean, in a crowd, it kind of turns it into a pickup game. And you you just play the game differently. The pressure is just isn't there. So you saw some younger guys actually stepping up and playing a little bit better than you would have expected. Um, but no distractions. All you do is play basketball, go back to your hotel, come back, play basketball. So everything was focused on hoop. Everything and all those factors put in together created a incredible experience for just basketball. So in terms of the pure basketball that was played, it was incredible to watch. Some standout guys from the bubble. Um, Devin Booker, he averaged 30. And those Suns came within one game of being in the play-in. Um, they went 8-0. So shout-out to Devin Booker and the Suns finally making some noise after like four or five seasons of just being absolute garbage. They're going to be a dark horse team for next year. If they are in the East, I'd put them in the playoffs. They're in the West. It's going to be hard for them to make it. But they're going to be exciting. Michael Porter Jr., my dude, made second team All-NBA All bubble team, averaged 22 a night. Finally got an opportunity because our team was 
decimated by injuries. We only brought nine people to the bubble initially. He finally got his shot. He showed his flashes, and I think he's going to continue to build upon that. And his playoff performances, his his ups and his downs, his defensive lapses, and his big sh- time shot making, and he's going to turn into a real good player for our team. Same with Bull Bull. He got some opportunity, got some run, made the internet go crazy. Dude who's seven two, just coming up, pulling up from three with a little bit of a handle, shoots mid range jump shots and all that kind of stuff. He's going to be a pivotal piece to our future as well. So. Very excited what I saw the Nuggets. TJ Warren, 31 a game. First team all bubble. Dude was absolutely spectacular. Um, Luka Doncic, she got the Mavs to take the Clippers to six games. He averaged 31, 10, and 9 in that first round series. Hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history with that step back. Game four buzzer beater on Reggie Jackson. Why'd you switch? Don't make no sense. Uh, Luka's on his way. Luka is top 10 already. And that kid, there. I saw some projections saying that he would be the MVP next year. I'm not sure about that just because if you're going to be the MVP, you better have a really damn good season and your team has to be really good. I don't think his team's going to have enough wins to get there. But Luka's on his way. He's on his way. Hopefully he just continues to stay healthy and gets better. If he gets into a good situation, um, then he's definitely going to be in line for an MVP. Damian Lillard was the bubble MVP. Um... He averaged 37 points and 9 rebounds, got Portland into the playoff and into the 8th seed where they played the Lakers. They won game 1, lost every other game after that, but Dame was absolutely sensational and did everything he could to get that team into the possession that they were in. He's been incredible for that Portland franchise, will continue to be. Hopefully they can get some help. I think Dame's just relegated to be in Portland. That's just the way it's going to be. I think he missed his... I think. I'll, I don't think he's going to leave, and if he does leave, it's going to be in a time where he's not in his prime. So you're just going to have to enjoy Damian Lillard, be the great player that he is in Portland, and probably not contend for titles, but that's okay. Ain't nothing wrong with just going out there, hooping, being your best, and, and trying to compete as much as you can in the spot that you're in. So Damian Lillard definitely res- or deserves kudos for that. My guy, Jamal Murray, maybe the biggest winner of the bubble. Um, he was absolutely sensational. Um this these numbers come from a, a site called Sporting News. Um, not really crazy stats, but I'll just let you know that um, the times that Jamal Murray scored uh, 40 points in an elimination game was three. So we were down 3-1, obviously, to the Jazz. Um, and Jamal went absolutely ballistic in those three games. Dropped 42, 50, and 42. Or... 42, 50, and 42. What am I saying? He dropped 50, 42, and 50 in games 4, 5, and 6. Got it to game 7. Had a terrible game. Shot the ball horribly. We only won by 2. But we're we're not in the position we're in unless Jamal goes absolutely insane. And even in game 1, when we were playing like crap, Jamal came down the stretch in 4th quarter and overtime. And went to work, and he got us the winning game one, and that's what kept us afloat. Um, because if we don't win that game, we probably get swept. So Jamal Murray was an absolute monster. Game seven against the Clippers was an absolute masterpiece. 40 points, six for 13 from the three-point line. I don't know if anyone raised their stock more than him other than Jimmy Butler. 
Jamal Murray made that leap. He went from 18 a game to 27 a game in the postseason. That kind of leap is just not expected out of a guy that you still have reservations about. Um, it's funny. I listen to certain podcasts, and they say, well, you did it in the playoffs. That's fine. But constant um, criticism of Jamal is that we need consistency. And being able to do it in the regular season over a consistent basis still means something. We're not saying that it means everything, but the best players in this league do it every single night. And we need to see Jamal be that great. He doesn't have to be 38 points a game great, but he needs to continue to be consistent. I need to see that average get up into the, the 20 like 325 range. He still hasn't averaged more than 20 points a game in his career. So if he can continue to to up his game and and show that he can do it consistently and then still tap into it in the in the playoffs, then you have yourself a guy who's really considered, okay, I'm going to start inching up into that top 25, top 20 range and really be one of these players in this league. So but his, his playoff run was absolutely spectacular. It's one of the best things I've ever seen as a Nuggets fan. I can't wait to continue to see how he grows, how this team grows. What he did in this postseason is something I will never forget. Thank you, Jamal Murray. Shout out to him. And one more shout out, um, Donovan Mitchell. Um, he's a Mike Conley shout away from maybe being the story of the bubble. He averaged 36 a game in round one. He got anywhere he wanted, did whatever he wanted, shot however he wanted. Kid was on fire. He could do no wrong. Um, the Utah Jazz are in good hands. They're going to be a good team moving forward. Maybe they move Rudy Gobert and go in a different direction. Um, but Donovan Mitchell showed out. No question. The kid was amazing. And of course, y'all, to tie this all back in one more time, LeBron James. His fourth NBA championship in his 17th season. Of course, the Michael Jordan comparisons had to come out once again. I'm going to talk about it a little bit, but let's go ahead and just focus on LeBron a little bit more and then see what he did here. 30 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists while shooting 59% from the field, man. Absolutely insane. Those numbers, we, we get so... <laughs> it's funny, we take these, these numbers almost for granted because LeBron is just held to such a high standard. Um, but that those are the numbers that LeBron put up, man. It's been, an, it's been an incredible honor to watch. Honestly, you know, you take the good and the bad that comes with LeBron, including his fans, including some of the passive aggressiveness, you know, and, and little stuff like that. But LeBron every year always comes to bring it. Always is available for his team. I'm gonna just read you off the last ten years in terms of the finals that he's been to. I'm going to read you his total postseason stats. 2010-2011 with Miami. In 43 minutes a night, he averaged 30 points. Or excuse me. And this is this is bad. Right? 24-8-7. Or 24-8-6. And that's bad for LeBron James. That's the 2011 uh, Mavs meltdown. But then the next season, 30 Nine and five. 26, 8, and 6. 27, 7, and 5. 30, 11, and 8. 26, 9, and 7. 32, 9, and 8. 34, 9, and 9. 27, 
10 and 9. That's what LeBron has done the last nine times he has been in the postseason. In those last nine times, he has been in the NBA Finals every single time. It's a testament to how great he really, really is. It's it's a level that you will it'll be hard pressed for you to ever see again. LeBron James has been incredible from day one, and as soon as he figured things out, it's been a wrap for the league pretty much ever since. We talk about the guys we're excited about, we talk about this and that. But if you're gonna get to the finals, your safest bet is to have LeBron James on your team. In terms of where it ranks on his title belt, the four titles, we have 2012 against Oklahoma City, 2013 against the Spurs, 2016 against the Cavs, and then this 2020 title with the Lakers. Now, I think it ranks either somewhere between three and four. You can flip-flop him however you want. 2016 will be his coup de grace, his, his zenith. That is the best title. It will never be eclipsed. I don't care what happens in the future if they go back to back, back to back to back, whatever. It does not matter. 2016 will always be his crowning achievement. Then I probably put this one. This 2020 title just brought in so many different things culturally, socially, and in the bubble. But in terms of the overall competition, it probably wasn't his hardest, you know? But actually, no, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to go ahead and say 2013 because even though LeBron had a title under his belt, if he had lost that game six and they should have lost that game six, what a big dent into his, his legacy again. He would have been one and three in the finals. It would have been just another puncture and another thing to try to hit LeBron with. Ray Allen hits the biggest shot in NBA history and LeBron is able to save the team in game seven. So, I rank that as two, Lakers title in three, and then his first title. Um, his first title, in terms of the finals performance, that's probably the the lowest on this totem pole, but it included one of the hardest, probably the game with the most pressure he's ever faced in his life when he went game six at Boston. He dropped the 45 and 15. That's the most pressure he's ever felt in his career, and he stepped up to it like few have ever done in the history of this game, so... I'll say 2016-1, 2013-2, 2020-3, and then 2012 is going to be 4. What has LeBron proven? He wanted his damn respect. And I think a lot of us raised an eyebrow when he said that. Especially if you're sensible. If you're just a LeBron stan, you're like, yeah, LeBron, yeah, yeah, you need your respect, LeBron. If you hate LeBron, you're like... You know, what is this dude even talking about? Like, shh, man, you just, you're not even Jordan. Stop talking about respect. What do you mean respect? I think I lie in the middle. And it's where I lie in a lot of these things, you know? At first, I questioned. I was like, what does LeBron mean by respect? Like, if you actually watch the game and analyze it, he's either one or two in terms of the best players of all time. Of course we respect you. Like, where? what do you mean we don't respect you? Then you dig a little deeper, and you see the dumb criticisms that the media has put out for you every single day, and especially the last two years, and the only reason was because you were injured. People were saying that he was here just to make movies. 
which isn't entirely false. He came here and made Space Jam 2, y'all, so that's not entirely false. He did come here to make movies. Not his sole purpose, but he did come here to do that. People said he was just here to do the production stuff. I think that's where it is. It's just to do that. It's obviously not just to do that. But he came here to just do that. He didn't come here to win titles. He just came here to be for the brand, you know? Um, people criticizing his game left and right, saying he's not playing defense anymore, that he should take this shot. Why is he passing this up, this, that, and the third, you know? And he's in year 17, and people still question what he does. By the time Michael was in year 8, no one questioned what Michael Jordan did. It was the right thing every time, you know? Except for the little bl uh, blip in 1995, but that's it. No one questioned Michael. And it's crazy to think that LeBron, who's the second best player of all time, trying to push to be the best of all time, still continues to be questioned to this day. And he has four titles and has been to the finals ten of the or nine of the last ten years. Or ten of the last eleven, excuse me. But hey. It is what it is. That's what they're going to continue to try to push on LeBron because he has, he's the most polarizing. He's the John Cena of basketball. He's the guy who has just as many detractors as he does supporters. Um, so people are going to love LeBron. People are going to hate LeBron probably equally all the way through. Um, but whether you love him or hate him, appreciate him. Uh, I say this about a lot of different players. I've said it about I said it about like Steph Curry in 2015. I said it about like Kyrie in these times. We're talking about some special talents, man. Some guys that you don't see everything. You will not see another guy with Kyrie Irving's handle and finishing ability for a long time, if ever. You will not see a person who can get a shot off quicker than Steph still have the handle and the ability to finish all in one package like Steph probably ever again. And you definitely will never see anyone who's 6'9", 260 runs like a gazelle jumps like a jackrabbit and can pass like few cav in the history of this game lebron james is no question and this is funny i had a conversation with i think my father and my uncle last year and we were talking about ranking the guys and then i think everybody was like oh it's Kawhi now and then Giannis, and then blah 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 and they didn't say LeBron, and I let them finish their top fives, and I was like, so you're just going to forget LeBron? Well, he's like, we're talking about right now, but even then, it's like, even then? <laughs> and I think LeBron continues to show why he's the best player in the league, why he's been the best player in the league, while he'll continue to be the best player in the league until someone snatches the crown from him for real. Not because he gets hurt, but because they take him down. And not when you're crewed up like Kevin Durant, who will never understand why people don't give him the credit he thinks he deserves. But for real, snatch it from him. And I think next year is going to be really fun to see everyone try to challenge for it because the league hopefully will be as healthy as it can be. And we'll have teams like Brooklyn and Golden State back in the mix and other teams trying to retool and, and trying to challenge the Lakers as well. It's going to be a really fun season next year. The Lakers will be the favorites, but not overwhelmingly. They will have some challengers. It's going to be really fun. So I can't wait to see what comes from that. I'm already ready for next season, so as you can tell. Um, but we're going to enjoy this offseason, and we're going to enjoy the fact that LeBron James is in this league, and love him or hate him, he's 
absolutely spectacular. And even if you get caught up in your sports fanness, in your love or your hate, just make sure you appreciate LeBron James. He's not going to be here forever. Enjoy this man. Enjoy his game. Thank you, LeBron. All right, y'all, appreciate you listening to another episode of the Good Look Podcast. Uh, This is going to be probably the last one for a little bit. I'll pop up again around draft time. I'll pop up again around free agency because obviously that's when this league gets so popping, even though this free agent class really isn't that big. But something's always going to happen. So someone's going to get traded. Someone's going to get mad, whatever. I will be there to talk about it, so keep it locked on my socials. I'll let you guys know when a new episode is coming. But once again, I want to thank you guys for for listening during this first season. It finally got done, man. And I've seen the plays on my my social sites. Um, Once this episode's done, it's going to bring it to 1,000. And having 1,000 plays for me... Personally, it's something I, I, could, I couldn't be happier about. You guys have been incredible in terms of supporting me. Thank you for everyone who shares, anyone who likes. It's, they're small tokens, and I, I know even if you think a retweet or a like is small or a play is small, it's really big for me. It's nice to know that my words hold a little bit of, of weight with people who, who respect the game and love the game like I do. So once again, thank you guys for, for supporting um, continuing to support and I will continue to throw that content out for you guys because I love doing this and it's been really fun so I'm going to continue to do that um, and it's time for the off season. I'll let you guys know when new things are coming up once again episode 32 of the Good Look Podcast your host Leonard Pinkney aka Agent P aka L Pinkney I'll see you next time <laughs>